You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from our friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Janice Legata, and this is God Has Not Given, an evangelical podcast featuring me and my failing faith and conversations with my friends and family. And this week, I'm talking with a friend who, for all intents and purposes, might be the closest thing I have to a co-worker these days. If deconstruction was a church, and it is not, this guy would be one of my ministry heroes, and I would email his assistant to ask how big of a love offering it would take to have him come speak. But thankfully, churches from coast to coast failed us both, so I can just hit him up and say, hey, Come talk with me, and then spend a couple of hours laughing about Frank Peretti and spiritual warfare. Some might say this episode is demonic, and hey, it is spooky season, so maybe it is, because I'm definitely hoping that it possesses you for a little while, starting now. Josh Link, I'm not sure if he's the dirty or the rotten half of Dirty Rotten Church Kids, but he is half of that duo. Yes. So that's that's where I originally know him from. I'm not, I, can, I don't even know. Time and deconstruction is <laughs> an infinite loop. It yeah. is Jeremy Barramy. I don't know where mm-hmm. it begins and where it ends. So I don't even know when I found you guys, how how long ago that was. Feels, feels like forever. I definitely have listened to all of the episodes. Oh, thank you. So I don't know when I joined you guys, but I've been with you from the beginning. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. I don't know. I can I can remember what I'm doing now. I'm not remembering. I'm just living it. But uh, when people ask me, when did your deconstruction start? I'm like, I, the more I continue to live through this journey, the more I'm like, I've been deconstructing for a lot longer. Um, and so time becomes just a, like, a, it's like slips through my fingers. I don't know what it is anymore. I just know what I have to do today. Um, but yeah, and also, I don't know which half of, of dirty or rotten I am. I know that Adrian came up with that name because he's like super Mr. Creative. And like, dude, that sounds great. But uh, yeah, I'm here. Thank you so much for having me on, Janice. Um, Absolutely. We had you on our episode and it was a great one. Uh, Adrian and I were like, yeah, we're going to talk about some Hillsong stuff. We didn't know how like intertwined you were to to Hillsong New York. And that was like the right on the heels of Carl Lentz and all that jibber jabber. So um, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that with us. That's very interesting. And I'm sure just... And it's not, I mean, it's not easy to talk about anything that traumatic. So we thank you for, for sharing that. It was, it was a good time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I don't know, you guys, guys are buddies. You're my friends. Yeah. And so listening to your podcast, I don't even remember which episode it was, but yeah. you mentioned Frank Peretti. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. just triggered something in me. I was like, oh my gosh. So that's when I was like, oh, I have to have Josh on to talk about Frank Peretti, to talk about spiritual warfare, yeah. to talk about all the demonic things. And and even you saying like, you know, deconstruction, who knows when it, when mm-hmm. it began, when it when it ended. I was thinking back on Frank Peretti and and one of his last books, or one of his should have been last books, no. <laughs> but his book Illusion. We're canceling Frank Peretti right now. <laughs> <laughs> The deconstruction PC cancel culture, you snowflakes. He's he's done. Canceled. So his book, Illusion, my mom had sent it to me. And now I look, I was like, oh, I was was definitely deconstructing because I could Mm. not get through that book. Like, it took me forever to read it. And, like, when I like something, it's like days. Like, it it does not take me long. And that book, it was like two weeks to finish. And I was like, oh, oh, I think, yeah, I just don't love this the way I used to. Mm. And now I'm like, oh yeah, I was deconstructing. Yeah. And I remember feeling like sad then because I was like, oh, like me and my mom, we used to read these books. Like this was a point of connection. Mm-hmm. And she was so excited for this. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't can't can't do it. So it was that that was a yeah, hard so of things me, to come. Yeah, let me say something first. You calling me your friend made me so happy. I think Adrian and I talked about, we get questions why we did this and like, yeah, to talk about uh, conversations and to remind people they're not alone. But in the end, it's just a very selfish desire for me to have all the friends in the world. It's like, if you, anyone's familiar with Pokemon, I'm playing that on the human scale. I'm going to fill my, my Pokedex with everyone. Uh, no, but that that's awesome. And yeah, and I, I do consider you a friend. Um, uh, very few people kind of jive with our humor. And so when you and I DM on Instagram, I'm like, okay, I'm not that crazy. Janice is laughing with me, then I'm good. 
But isn't it always our moms who give us Frank Peretti books? My mom did the same thing. <laughs> was there like a mother's against drunk driving, but like for mothers giving books to kids? Like, but very scary books. I can't. So mothers, mothers for demons? Like. Mufada. There you go. Mufada. Um, but like, I couldn't watch like like rated R movies, but I can read a book about a demon, like, pers- like just like assaulting an entire small town. Like, oh, oh my, like, I, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I, it, it was Frank Peretti. It was Ted Decker. It was all these, and, and to their credit, they're good writers. And the same thing, what you said there just gave me permission to go into my office and toss out a bunch of books I can't get through. Now, yeah. if I'm reading like a Richard Rohr-esque heady book, okay, I need to work mm-hmm. through that. And it's hard to get through because it's so dense. But also a book right. that I read, like, I just don't, I, I don't connect with this. I, I feel right. like some uh, need to finish it. Dis- uh, Disney made me think that every inanimate object has feelings because of like cups and little Ottomans can dance and, and Beauty and the Beast. I'm like, I can't throw out a book because it could have feelings. But uh, yeah, I just need to go through some books that I just don't like. Um, yeah. and get rid of them. But Frank Peretti, The Omen, I believe, mm-hmm. was the most menacing cover of a book I'd ever seen up until that point in my life. And I think reading those books really now, like I love, I love the horror genre. I love like even more so like really bad horror movies. Uh, or and, and, and from The Omen, I kind of like really dove into the psychology of the supernatural behind Benny Hinn, um, Creflo Dollar, uh, uh, Robert Tilton, why all these men were able to like really uh, manipulate these people. And I watched so many weird documentaries at the beginning of YouTube when YouTube mm-hmm. was like small. So it was like random people uploading stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm super into it, man. I love the weird and, and like outside of the box uh, eccentric stuff of life. Um, and yeah, so... That's kind of my, my wheelhouse. Anything weird and, and, and done with earnest, but still really bad. That's what I love. <laughs> Which is why I started a podcast with my buddy Adrian. We do it in earnest, and it's horrible. <laughs> it is earnest, and it is not horrible. Okay, it well, that, that's your opinion. Yeah, well, maybe it's my kind of horrible. There we so. go. That's our new tagline. <laughs> Dirty Rotten Church Kids, your kind of horrible. There we go. And it gives all our haters like ability to go, well, I hate them. Like, well, that, we're just not your type. You just you just like the wrong kind of horrible. Yes. <laughs> so this season on the podcast, I'm talking about powers and principalities, mm. and it's 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 a good season. Yeah. So the last season, the question, the game I would play is whether or not I'm a Christian. Now I don't I didn't care then. I still don't care. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the huge problems with Christianity is that it is so individualistic. So the mm-hmm. question I'm asking now is whether or not I've been to church. What mm, is church? Yeah. Have I been? And should I go? So, Josh, give me three things that to you make something, someplace, a church. Um, I would say, so I, I would say I have been to church recently. Uh, we interviewed Mike McHarg on our, our on our episode. It's coming out soon. Ooh. I think by the time your your episode this episode drops, it already been out. And I told him on the episode, like I felt like I went to church, like the way he was talking. And so, to answer your question, I think there has to be some, uh, like uh, what's the word, commonality, like what, what, why we are all gathered there. So we we gathered to listen to Mike talk to us, or if you're gathering to go see a concert, everyone's there for a purpose. So I think that's one, like intentionality, um, comfortable. Uh, and I, I, I think like that's what I mean now now because COVID no one comes over my house but like that's what we try to do at our house is like make everyone feel comfortable I think everyone likes that um, and inclusive I think that might go hand in hand with comfortable but um, there is one church in our area I'm in South Florida um, and if you are in South Florida check out Hartway uh, the pastor there he hates going by the term pastor so definitely call him that uh, is Danny Prada him and his wife Emily are starting or have had something very different going on in South Florida. When we do go to church, if we want to go to church, that's the one we go to. Because it is all those things. It's inclusive. Everyone's there not to worship Jesus, but to connect with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, beyond that, I mean, I, I find myself like we, I just came back from Seattle. My sister-in-law lives out there. So we went to visit them and I went to Portland and we went 
on a mountain and in a rainforest and I saw the Pacific Ocean for the first time. So those moments are much more real than uh, a lot of the last night of summer camp moments I had, which I felt like I was in tune with everything and I knew my purpose in life when I was 13. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like those moments are quote unquote church or spiritual, I think, or I think the feeling I attribute to defining that moment as church would be like, I feel like I'm held. Mm-hmm. So whether that's being held by just the vastness of the Pacific Ocean and watching a seal come by or standing in a rainforest. I didn't even know we had a rainforest in America um, and watching like the rain fall through the trees being highlighted by the sun. Like, this is so, so damn cool. Yeah. Um, so there's a long answer to your short question, which is basically how the rest of my answers are going to go. That's how <laughs> I operate. So just, just that's and that's why I have you. That's perfect. Okay. I'm just um, making sure. So with that, I would say, yeah, I have been to church. Yeah. I've been to church a lot this past week, mm. just recording episodes of this podcast. Cool. It's so, it's yeah, so it's, good. It, I mean, this goes with everything when you do anything for a very long time. And the thing I did for a very long time just happened to be church. So when I removed myself from that, the, the church defined what church was or the church defined what community was. It defined so many of the things that I live my life mm-hmm. by and didn't think much about. And then when I kind of when I kind of pause it and start to erase those lines uh, or those definitions, I'm like, oh, I can kind of make this whatever I want then. Um, and so that's been interesting. Yeah. Just to kind of take those things back. Talking to you, talking to Joe Lumen, talking to Brenda Marie Davies, just reminding reminding us of the permission we have to kind of reclaim ourselves and um, and kind of write our own. Oh, I hate saying journey or story, but. I'm not that good with words, so that's just gonna have to work. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, you can have church anywhere, dude. You can have you can have church at a corner store enjoying a sandwich, and yeah. ugh, I still want to do that. People, wear your mask, please, God. I need to go to my corner store and eat unhealthy food <laughs> to feel normal again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he needs to go to his church. Wear your mask so I can go to my church. What's What's <laughs> ironic? It's usually the opposite. Come to my church. Don't wear no mask. Take it off. Take it off. Yeah. Where's your faith? Oh, God. Oh, no. But to your point, for three things, you would think, you know, comfort and inclusive would go together. No, like you do need both of them because. Yeah, you need to be intentional. Carl Lentz was there for, you know, mm, yeah. commonality and he was very comfortable. Yeah. But like you don't have the inclusive. So yeah. everybody else is like there. Yeah, I guess idealistically, comfortability would mean including everyone. But. If for all the strides that the uh, LGBTQIA community has made, there's still a long way to go. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's, that still needs to be uh, intentional. and We need to make it inclusive. Um, yeah. So that's that. And that speaks to a little bit where you are now. Mm-hmm. But, Josh, how did, how did you get here? Good God. <laughs> what is your faith story journey? Your, your storny. Ew. <laughs> that's not a word, but it sounds like a bad one. <laughs> So, yeah, I was born and raised in South Florida. My mom uh, migrated over from Cuba, and uh, when she was young, my dad came down from Ohio, and they met, I guess, the halfway point between there and here is South Florida. Um, And South Florida is basically just the North Caribbean, and we have everyone down here. Um, So I was born here, and if you're you're familiar with this place, I was born in Hialeah Hospital in the 305, uh, Miami-Dade County, and we lived down there for a good bit. Uh, From the moment I can remember, I was always, always in church, always Mm -hmm. in church. My parents met at the church. Um, My mom's family was heavily Catholic. My dad kind of uh, really took to Christianity because his family history is is really crazy. And so I was raised in the pew. I I remember sleeping in pews and hymnals and the whole nine. It was a Southern Baptist church um, in a very, very Latin, an African-American community with no Latin or African-American pastors. And all the pastors were from out of state, which is still a trend down here now. Like I have all these pastors from Virginia and Tennessee and Georgia. Oh, we're going to plant a church in South Florida. I'm like you can, and it will fail guaranteed. So yeah, we were there for a long time. We moved to Broward County and then we moved, we found a, a really contemporary church. God, I'm going to use that term in a long time though. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's so stupid. But uh, my parents loved it. We went there. I was there all the time, all the time. So I was like maybe five or six. And uh, one one Christmas service, they asked me to sing Happy Birthday, Jesus. And I did. And I was super embarrassed. And I'll never forget this old lady handing me a microphone. She's like, you're going to do great. And I felt like I was just going to puke. I sang that song. And they said, you did so well. You should go sing at our sister church. I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a kid. I, sure, whatever. 
So that was sort of kind of what I did. And my parents saw that I had, I could sing. And so I was in piano lessons for forever. And I think from the moment I knew I could sing, I just didn't stop singing. The music has always been a part of my life, whether playing it, listening to it, trying to find it. And kind of like my, my enjoyment of weird outside the box stuff kind of goes for music as well. I, I like everything but current country music because it's so iterative and so boring and so incestual. But give me anything. And so I did music forever. That was kind of what I chose as my identity in the church. And then in the, ch- the church taught me how not to be a musician, but how to play with others. Mm-hmm. So I was playing keys and that really feeding off of other people. And that was at the time when uh, Hillsong was just coming out. Like Hillsong, the big church, was releasing their albums. Yeah. And uh, that's the, around the time Tooth & Nail Records started taking off. You had OC Supertones. You had Audio Adrenaline, their first album, which is the only good one. Uh, and, and then like all this music came out. You had MXPX, which is slightly Christian. You had Under Oath, all this music. And then what ha- started happening down here in South Florida, Florida is you had a really, really legit music scene. It was like a hardcore punk scene. So fast forward a couple years, I'm still playing keyboard, learning how to play guitar, just picking up any instrument I can, played in high school band, but ended up in a band down here that was mildly successful, if that. But we played a lot of churches, played a, uh, around a lot of bars, won some Battle of the Bands, and I, I loved it. I loved touring around for two summers, just seeing the United States, playing music that we wrote, that was so much fun. And then I, we came, I, I came back from that tour. The band, the band broke up, and then I wanted to get serious about life. I finally finished college. And then I'm like, well, I really need to find a Bible-believing church because that was important to me for some reason. <laughs> so stupid. So I go to this church that I helped uh, lead worship out at camp, and, and that's where I met Adrian. And that church was very reformed. Southern Baptist, very reformed. And I didn't know what that was at the time. It was, it was just everyone. So that's kind of what I did. I was still the music guy, and then I had to step away for a bit because I had classes for college, and then Adrian came along and filled in for me, and then when I came back, I hated Adrian, (laughs) and I texted Adrian out of the blue, like, hey, dude, I don't think I like you, and that was the beginning of our friendship. He's such a people pleaser, like, what can I do to make this better? But uh, him and I have just been really, really close friends since then. And yeah, our, our time through that church is so weird. And looking back at it now, I mean, the people we served under had, had their own issues that they didn't deal with. It, it was so much passive aggressiveness. And, and we were just earnestly trying to do our damnedest to make it like really, I guess, inclusive. Uh, we shared a, a parking lot with a, with a Jewish synagogue. And one of the questions we brought up to one of the pastors is like, hey, we park here and they park here. Like, can't we do anything with them? It's like, well, not really, because I mean, they're... They're a Jewish synagogue. And I'm like, but like, they're right there. I can see them. Like they're playing basketball. Like, so that was kind of like, like a first kind of fray of the fabric. And then the way we were asked to leave that church really hurt. Um, our pastor we were serving under got the boot really horribly. And, and they asked us not to tell, any, tell anyone when we left. And so when we left, we, we, we were doing worship for the, for the youth in college. And when we left, we couldn't tell anyone. And so we got a ton of DMs from kids. And then we also got messages from people in the church, really aggressive messages about how, you guys remember that drum set you couldn't find? Yeah, it's at the bottom of the Broward dump because I gave it away to someone. I'm like, why are you telling me this? Why are you confessing your sins to me? Um, it, was, it was really, really shitty. And it, that should have pushed me away from the church, but it made me like more staunch. Well, well we're going to plant our own church and it's not going to be that. Uh, spoiler alert, it does become that at the end. Um, it always does, uh, unfortunately. So Adrian and I, along with our pastor we served under, planted a church out in Weston, Florida. Um, wasn't the best location, but we were so dead set at making it work. And I would say for the first year and a half, it was the strangest church ever been a part of. We threw out everything. No one was supporting us financially, so we did literally whatever we wanted. And it was just Mumford and Sons with Jesus interspersed into the lyrics, basically. But it was all on our own. And I think that really taught me how to be creative, how to get shit done, which is good and bad to a fault, because that's, that's kind of what the lane I stayed in for the, for the entirety of my church time. I just did stuff, and I didn't think. I just was told, and I did. I could produce really well. Um, and so fast forward a lot of years, um, Adrian starts asking me these questions about, uh, like, hell and why are why are some churches around here saying like these people are saved but we're saying that these people are saved i'm like dude i don't have time i gotta set up this whole entire stage like this is a set up tear down church like we can talk while we work and so that was kind of the beginning adrian adrian is always like the trendsetter for me in a lot of ways just like fashion and uh music and in thought 
And so when he started going down this trail, like in the back of my head, I'm like, fuck, I know I'm going to end up here with him. Like, I know I'm going to end up talking about this stuff, but I don't have time for it now. And that's exactly how it happened. Cause that pattern has been like very repetitive in our, in our, in our relationship. And so I kind of got to that point where my wife goes, Hey Josh, uh, at this time we had both our kids, Emma and Noah. And she's like, we've never been to church as a family of four. You show up at six and then you leave at two. And I show up at well, whatever time, nine 30. I'm like, dang, I haven't been to church with my family. And to me, as a kid, that was a big, big, big thing. Like, I'd walk into church with my dad and my mom and my sister, and we'd sit down and we'd leave and go to lunch. So I talked to the main pastor. I'm like, hey, dude, I got to take a break. He's like, well, how long of a break do you think? I'm like, well, I, I, I'm done. And when he asked me that, I'm like, okay, just tell him. And then lo and behold, I was told not to tell anyone again. And this, this guy was with us through the, same, through the same bullshit that went on in the first church. So I'm like, maybe he's going to treat me different. Nope, I couldn't tell anyone. Adrian couldn't tell anyone. Um, and so I left on the last Sunday that no one knew was my last Sunday and I set them up to be, uh, have a sound person and a worship person, like everything. I was doing too much, set them up to be successful. And the church tanked later, uh, because that pastor was just spinning his wheels. There's a lot more stuff there. But, um, after that ended, Adrian and I kind of now it's like infamously met at a cigar bar. We invited all our guy friends out and no one showed up. It was just us two. And so him and I both had like separate internal conversations that day about possibly starting a podcast. And then that's kind of, that's where it, where it started. But yeah, I mean, through it all, through it all, I was always doing music and I still do it now. Like I don't like Adrian and I were in a band with a, a bunch of our friends and then COVID kind of put a stop to that, but I'm still in my office writing dumb songs. Like I had, I had something really exciting happen at work yesterday. So I found a beat and I put a, uh, a, um, an auto tuner app on my phone and I just sang to the beat about how excited I was about this thing. So I think the, the best way for me to understand how I'm feeling at the moment or to get to the bottom of how I feel about something is for me to pick up an instrument and just see what happens. Yeah. My sister is like artistically creative in the fact that she can draw and sculpt. I can't do any of that. I would love to, but that's been my lane for a long time. Like I used to be my identity, but now it's just something I do. It's I'm not a musician now through the deconstruction process and coming to terms with who I am. Like I'm Josh. When you said I'm introducing Josh Link, I'm like, damn, that feels good for someone to say my first and last name and one for me not to be in trouble and me and secondly to be like, <laughs> yes, that's me. That's who I am. Um, and for so long I was told, nope, you're this, you are the either worship leader or the AV guy or the podcast guy. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of that. It used to be who I was, but now it's just something I do. Ooh. That's such a good separation. As you're talking, I'm like, am I there yet? Do I know? Oh, I no, know. hold on. What time is it? I'm there right now at 11.34. I bet you at 11.36 <laughs> it'll change. So everything I'm saying is in flux. I, I don't want everyone, anyone to think I have it all figured out. And if you do think you have it figured out, you don't. Uh, yeah, so that, that that's something we, we talk a lot about as well is just like people ask us the same question. Oh, what do you feel about God and church? And like, well, as of right now. I have like seven yeah. other things I need to do today. I don't give a shit about God if he exists. Because if he exists, why isn't he helping me with my kids? Like I have like legit yeah. needs right now. Um, so yeah, <laughs> everything I'm saying and what I believe and how I feel, that that's in flux constantly. Right now I'm feeling good though. Yes, I get it. So you did you did a good job of like covering all my first seven questions. Yeah, uh, um. <laughs> unlike me, Janice actually prepares for podcasts and sent me a bunch of notes ahead of time. When we have guests on, I'm like, let's just wing it because that's what's naturally going to happen. But this is way better. I should probably start doing bullet points to people. This is much better. So kudos to you, Janice, for being organized. No, kudos to you for knocking it all out. So I, too, discovered singing in church. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like that, that was my thing. And that was what I did. Like when I was a kid and then they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, well, I want to be either a veterinarian or a singer. Like those, mm. those are yeah. my things. But in my church, it was very clear, like the line between like church stuff and like secular stuff. Oh, and no. so oh, God. even with music, there was a very firm line. Like we don't do mm. this with accountants or anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Like only with musicians, with singers, if you're going to use this gift, and you should use it because it is a gift that God you has given you. You have to use it, yes. You have to use it, and you have to use it for the Lord. Yeah. In church. Yeah. Like, it, and, and it's it's so interesting because when you have to use it, what they mean is that you have to use it to our standards, right? right. So if I'm going to write a song or make a graphic, and I have multiple stories and multiple emails that I still kept because I'm, I'm a masochist apparently that I like go back and read from our old church. I'm like, damn, I put up with this stuff. Like I have emails like, no, we don't need you to do this. We need you to do exactly that. I'm like, then why'd you ask me to do anything? 
then you could have done right. it yourself. Just go on Microsoft Paint and write it out. If you know what you need from me, just tell me and I will do that thing. But don't give me all these, like, no boundaries. And then, look, nah, sorry, this is not what we need. This is exactly what I'm like. God bless America. You suck. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the world uses the word secular. I've never heard that outside the church. No, because why would they? Like, Yeah. It, it's yeah. just. It's a dumb church word. It really is. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's so many There's so many of those. Is, because if they I do, I guess the word would be it's just mainstream, right? Because if. Yeah. If, if, yeah. There you go. If the world is talking about Christian stuff, then they're just like, oh, that's yeah. Christian stuff. Yeah. And our stuff is. Yeah. It's just. It just is. Yeah. I, I think with like even the weird vocabulary that church has it kind of lines up with the fact that so the word secular i I don't know where it came from but to me it just always existed in the church right and the church used it to describe the world but also like the christian music market didn't exist right and the and and the church is like we'll just invent this or i guess investors people who wanted to become more rich like we'll just invent this and we'll use it as a as a commentary on the world as well and so for me, like looking back on some of these old albums I used to listen to, even going back to DC Talk, like man, they were they were deconstructing, dude. Like there's some stuff in there. I'm like, I, you don't believe this, um, <laughs> especially like when I got into like really heavy music, um, like Norma Jean, The Chariot, all of Solid State stuff, and then and then I just went, I backslid into like Fear Before the March <laughs> of Flames and From First to Last. All these bands have like really long names. There's so much art out there that was secular, that was like way more progressive and way more thought provoking and dealing with like actual emotions when like the church music listened to, like, I don't want to throw these guys under the bus, but Pillar is like a perfect example. They were like a rock band that was very generic rock in the Christian bubble, but they were so good because they were in, but then they tried to go quote unquote secular and they ate it. And they came back to the Christian subgenre, like, oh, guys, please, uh, please like us again. But we used to put on shows at our church. I used to, like, organize shows with, like, Reese Roper from Five Iron Frenzy, with Pillar, with a bunch of local bands out of Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all Christian-esque. And the music was good. Okay, like, I, good, okay. good for Christian music? Yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm definitely white passing. Uh, but my food is not white. Uh, my food is heavily influ- influenced by my, my Cuban grandpa. And just there's 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 an amount of seasoning you put in food because you're just a good person and you want people to enjoy food. But when I go to like my American friends' houses and I eat their dinner, it's good. Like the Christian music is good, but it's missing some seasoning. Like what are you doing? Why do you want me to eat this food? Do you not like me? Did you not put any salt on this? <laughs> Like, why am I being subjected to listen to Pillar? Do you not care for my, my ear for music? This is just not good. Um, so I think it's just context. And also, if, if you cook with no seasoning, uh, no jab at you, but please add something. Okay, <laughs> just hop in my DMs. There's, a, there's affordable seasoning. You don't have to mix anything together. You can go to Costco. They sell it. You just, just, put a, just start small. I'm, I'm just saying. You're, you're in your lock. You should be locked in your house. You should be quarantining, first of all. And while you're there, just experiment with cooking. You really can't mess it up. It's like, just, just try it out. Just try it out. Yeah, this is now a cooking podcast. I'm going to need you to take out your, your skillet. Wait, you don't have a cast iron skillet? Okay, let's correct that first. We're just walking backwards. You don't have a stove? Okay, let's get some propane. Let's just start an open flame. Let's get two sticks together, start rubbing them. Let's go. Oh, we're going all the way back. We're, go- we're going yeah, back we're to going prehistoric. Bible times. We're cooking. We're oh, God. Cooking with Abraham. <laughs> That'd be great if, if like we just grew out our, our hair, like you had just really long hair, I had a really long facial beard, and that could be our podcast. It's just an audio version of how to cook things, which is not helpful because you kind of need the visuals too. It's like you measure out this much. How much? They didn't say, but uh, just listen to how much it, it sounds like. This is all audio. Use your imagination. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's perfect amount. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but even, even when I was into Christian music, because yeah. that was like my only option, for like a, a good portion of my childhood, like we couldn't couldn't even listen to secular music. Oh so heck no! I, but but then I think about it, and I'm like, no, it wasn't secular music. Like it was like contemporary music because I know yeah. every soft hit from like the 70s and 80s because like we could listen to that. Like yeah. so any any elevator music anywhere. Yeah, that was at the dentist office. It was in the, in the elevators. Um, it was in the lobbies everywhere. But like I'll never forget. I go into my, my parents' room, snooping around as a bad kid does, and on on the windowsill uh, in my parents' bedroom, I find D'Angelo's Brown Sugar cassette. I'm like, oh, cool! I'm gonna listen to this, and I put it in my cassette player. I'm like, damn, this is good. My mom's like, what is that music? I'm like, I don't know. I found it in your room. And she goes, oh, that's that's your dad's. You can't listen to it. I'm like, what? How can he? 
I was so pissed, dude. That's when I'm like, no. I, that's when I started sneaking CDs for my friends and cassettes and started burning stuff. I'm like, if you won't let me get it, like, you can tell me I can't have the cookies. I will have the cookies when you're not looking. Right. Um, but yeah, D'Angelo Brown Sugar was like the deconstruction of my music. <laughs> that album cover is salacious. That guy was looking that, hot yeah. as hell. Just, just that cover. That'll get you. Like that'll. Yeah, it, if I looked that good, I would just release music just to have myself on the cover. <laughs> I, I can't make music. But if I have an eight pack and I look like D'Angelo Brown Sugar, you best believe I'm dropping cassettes everywhere. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just dropping cassettes off at Starbucks. Uh, but, but even yeah, then, yeah. so even being into Christian music, yeah, like I knew that it wasn't that good. Like mm, I remember yeah. having conversations like, oh, like there are Christian artists who are Christian artists because they can't make it. Yep, that's it. As mainstream artists, mm-hmm. so that I always, I always kind of knew that like, oh, Christian art is inferior. Like it's not, it's not all it's cracked up to be. It was someone, I was reading an article and uh, Panic at the Disco, whatever that lead dude's name is, he's, and I'm, I'm getting this wrong. He's, I think he's a Mormon, mm-hmm. but no one calls Panic at the Disco a Mormon band. Right. And so when, when I started thinking that way, I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you want to be a Christian and make that like the center of your art, then great. But there's a lot of other artists who are just creating to create. And I, I was so jealous of that. I didn't have that own freedom. Um, cause everything like you and I did was like in the confines of the church. And so they even go back to Frank Peretti, like even the books we had to read, dude, they had to be by Christian authors. Cause God forbid, but some like these books were n- not better. Like they were still graphic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just that, that ease of mind that my parents had like, well, it's a, it, the, the, the truth shop or a lifeway Christian bookstore said, this is a good song or a good, uh, book for my kids. So I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to vet it. Um, I can see why they want to do that, but yeah, it was just so weird. It's such an odd, like little subgenre that didn't exist and made a ton of money for the people who created it. And it is, it is weird. They did just hand so much, so much of what we listened to, so much of what we read, so much of what they did to us, mm-hmm. to other people. Like if Dr. Dobson said, this oh, is good, or to do this, like that, that was it. Like, you know, focus on the family. Okay, if, if he says it's good then it must be good. It was gospel. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And so Frank Peretti, <laughs> I was just thinking about, about Carmen. Um, oh God, no. Like, I, you 100% have seen skits, dances to, you know, all of his albums. But like, yes. if you, if you haven't seen or been in like a witch's invitation skit, did you even go to church yeah. in the nineties at all? Carmen was, oh, I don't, I think he was one of the few Christian artists, quote, quote, who was all to himself, Carmen. Like his music videos were like stories. Yeah. They were like a lot of budget and the music wasn't the best, but I, uh, but I came for just his expression. I'm like, damn, this is really well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, his production value was insane. Like he, he was like one of the chosen ones by CCM to make it. But looking back now, he just looks like a, like a shitty version of the old Joker in his, in his purple jacket. Like, who told you that was a good idea, man? I know it was the 80s, but still, but still, there's no excuse for, like, a purple suit with with shoulder pads, okay? Looking like he's about to take off if he dances too much, dude. There goes Carmen. He's zipping up in the sky because his shoulder pads are giving him lift. I just never forget Satan bite the dust. Satan bite oh God, the he dust. Killed, he killed Satan. I'm free from lust now. Yay. But only... For the duration of this song, because... Oh, now Lust is back. You should shoot him again, Carmen. <laughs> it was but, so ridiculous. Which is imitation. Satan bite the dust. And then all the Frank Reddy stuff. I'm like, there is so much fascination mm. with the devil, with witches, yeah. with yeah. demons, the dark arts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just the idea of spiritual warfare. And looking back now, it would be so weird to be a Christian parent and to be saying things like, no... There's no, there's no boogeyman. There's no monsters under your bed. There's no, these things aren't real. There are, however, demons. They're all around us, and spiritual warfare is happening all the time. Like that's, that's crazy. Yeah, like this present darkness. There's a whole town where they didn't know they were caught in the middle of a spiritual battle. Like, oh, that's lucky for them. Um, but like, I, I think that just speaks. Okay, so I grew up in the 80s, like in the late 80s, and that's like the era of excess. And then, and then from the 80s into the early 90s, uh, I'm not a, a scholar at all, but this is what I heard is that this was like one of the biggest times of growth for America. So you see like the upper middle class really coming into its own. And I think 
that the Christian the Christian church, the Western Evangelical Church, didn't have, I mean, they had their own battles, right? They were fighting against, they, they got the parental advisory on on CDs. <laughs> this was the advent of like video games. So they like, really pushed for a, a, a rating on video games and they're just getting their hands in all the stuff they shouldn't be in. Uh, but they really needed something to focus on. There, there's, there's this desire to be persecuted that I found just uh, as a through line through all my church experience. And so these books about spiritual warfare, when there really wasn't a war going on, I mean, there kind of was a war on drugs, was, which was just racism. Right. But they, they needed to feel this at any moment, things could be happening. I need to be at the ready. And then you quote all this, the, the armor of God and all that bullshit. Um, and that is still going on. There's really this really big emphasis on be at the ready at any moment, but now they have something to point to. Like the culture is revolting. Trump was our guy, or if they don't want to be that extreme, the conservative party, we need to back them. And so it's just more of the same. They just need to feel uh, like they're a martyr all the time, AKA looking at you, Sean Fuchs, or however you pronounce your name. They need to feel persecuted. And so these books kind of gave him like this fictional world to dive in where at any moment that, yep. Oh no. Do you know what? I wasn't a jerk to Janice because there was like, the, the, it was an excuse to kind of pass off your, your bad decisions or what you've done to people. No, I wasn't, I wasn't mean to her because I'm a bad person. It's just because there's spiritual warfare. No, it's not. You're just being a jerk. <laughs> it's, it, it, and, and, and that, I don't think that was an intended consequence of saying everyone's like under spiritual warfare all the time, but that's what happened. Like, that's yeah. what I did. Like, if I did something bad, if I if I watched porn one day, or I yelled at my parents, or I stole money, and then the next bad thing that happened, I'm like, that that's because I did that thing before. God hates me, but now we're all we're all good, and God and I would shake hands, and then I would start with a clean slate. But then I was not so really, young. because you opened the no. door. Yeah. So you know whatever demon you let in. Oh yeah. It's and there then now. I had a friend who like, and I I think he had he had mental issues, but he like could see demons he actually uh, started on his left arm uh the angels like going up his right uh, left uh, left arm in tattoos all the way to his chest and on his right arm he had the demons going up his right arm and in the middle of his chest they met in like spiritual battle because that's what he felt um, um there was a lot of money and a lot of pain uh but i do think like my mom came from the santeria background which is like voodoo mixed with some african traditions as well and some of the stories she tells me like, well, that could be a mental illness or that I have no idea what that is. So I do think there there is this unexplainedness to life, which I think is why these books or these Frank Peretti, Ted Decker, like Christian nonfiction or Christian fiction books, like tickle that or scratch that itch and why I love horror movies so much. Because like there's a lot of stuff we don't understand. But when we can point to something and go, no, this is exactly the thing. Like mm-hmm. this is not a, a wonder why everyone's leaving the church this is not a wonder why like the first people to leave the church usually are creatives like i saw a ton of my friends leave a massive church and they all left to nashville to become successful musicians like why are they all leaving what's what's going on it's because they felt the stranglehold that so many of us just worked through because we thought that was the norm and uh yeah it's it's like there are some things that are gray and there are some things that are definitively black and white and uh, when you when you when you point when you push your finger on that on that issue and go hey no this is wrong like you shouldn't be doing it. no no you just gotta pray about it or whatever I'm like oh please God <laughs> I, I I it's it was entertaining and it was entertaining for a bit and it I, I felt it informed my life knowing that spiritual warfare was around the corner at any time but now it's just like another thing I roll my eyes at when I see a Facebook post shared or someone texts me something I'm like please don't no this isn't real like <laughs> like maybe it's real to you but like this is like the hottest summer anyone's ever had uh, like portland was on fire like we're having tsunamis and hurricanes everywhere like we can talk about angels and demons later but like we need like water was on fire the gulf of mexico was on fire yeah. that shit only happens in, like in video games if you like throw a potion in the water then it catches on fire this happened like on the west coast of Florida, like we need to take care of that. Who gives a fuck about these angels and demons flying around, getting their jollies off, fighting each other? Like, who cares, man? <laughs> There's so many more pressing things to deal with. So that's kind of well, what. What if like, it's all demons? It's demons doing. Then let's go fight the fire demons. And by fire demons, I mean the big oil companies. Come on, we can do it together. We can take them down. You go in with your sword, and I'll approach it through policy and advocacy. We'll see who wins. Right. Um, uh, but. <laughs> 
yeah, it's, I don't know, man. There's so, there's so much nuance to this bullshit. It's just, it's at a certain point, you have to laugh about it. You, you have to laugh. I, I cause I, if I don't, I will cry. That's where I'm at now. So there is so much nuance, but yeah, there is none in Frank Peretti books. So let's, let's oh, go no, back there's... and I'm gonna give you a little, little pop quiz because he put his finger on the issues. Like he knew, he knew what was wrong. So number one, who or what was the villain in this present darkness? I'm going to fail it? at all these. Go ahead. Was it? Oh, multiple choice. Thank God. Go. Nationalism, Islam, yoga, or gluttony? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to say yoga. <laughs> it was yoga. This is a published author. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what's killing this town? People stretching. <laughs> Oh, that downward dog pose is no, no good. Here come the demons. What the heck, dude? Oh, that's so dumb. All right, so moving on. Yes. Who or what was the villain in Piercing the Darkness? So the sequel to The yeah. Present Darkness. A, is it the government, the media, yoga, or teen pregnancy? Let's say teen pregnancy. No, it was yoga. No, goddamn! <laughs> Again, who's still practicing yoga in this in this town that just went through? If if no, it was I, another town. It was a, it was another. Oh, see, I don't think I read the town. sequel because the first one was the first one. I rem I can vividly remember seeing in my head the angels and demons fighting in the town. Mm -hmm. Like I, it was so traumatic. Kudos to anyone who read the second one. It was yoga again in a second town. It was yoga again. Was but, this just Frank Peretti's way of telling his wife not to do yoga? I think I think so. Yeah. Or he just hates it. She keeps doing it. He's like, "Honey, I'm not going to hot yoga ever again. It's demonic, and I have proof by a book I just wrote." <laughs> Look here, it's right here. It's it's in two books, so you know it's got to be true. That's so great. All right. So then he then he moved on. So yeah. Who or what was the villain or the issue in profit? Was it the media, abortion? yoga or segregation okay i'm gonna say abortion if it's yoga again i'm done with this podcast <laughs> there's no way he's got to read three books about how much he hates yoga you were right it was abortion thank god uh thank god that not not that it's about abortion but that it's uh, not about yoga again um, abortion was a huge thing dude mm -hmm. how dare you how dare you uh make a baby die don't don't worry about the woman. The woman has no say in the matter. No, no. Oh my God, that was a huge thing. My my no. biggest thing for that. Let me interrupt the Frank Preddy quiz. Was like even back in my church days. I'm like, okay, you're against abortion. Then why didn't you go to the clinic and adopt all those babies? Like, yeah. And then look where all the clinics are at. Like look in the neighborhoods they're situated in. There's a yeah. reason they're there. And then let's talk about redlining. But no one wants to talk about. Genocide. No one wants to talk about that. No, no. So all right, and then. Who, what was the villain in The Oath? Was it a dragon, the townsfolk, sin, or sex? It was a dragon, right? Yes. But yeah. that, was a, that was a trick question. Because it was about it was sin. all of the above. Oh, it was a sin dragon. It was a sin sex dragon. <laughs> Those are my favorite. There was a dragon, but the dragon was summoned by the townsfolk who threw the Christians out in the early history of the town and then had this dragon as like the protection against Christians. But then the people in the town would sin and it usually had something to do with sex. And then they would get this like rash above their heart and then the dragon would come and eat them. Oh, cool. So the whole thing was like, the ultimate problem was like apathy about sin, which was usually, because I think everybody who got eaten in that book either was having an affair or had had an affair what's great is like the christian perspective of wrong sex it's just like having an affair i'm like well like right sex can just be having sex with consensual adults in a good environment no you can't do that either that's not fun it has me be procreation with someone of the opposite sex I'm like well the way you're saying it makes it sound like it's no fun so i will choose a dragon to eat me now <laughs> oh my god dude that's so that's so funny frank Peretti got very specific about that book it sounds like he was writing that for one person <laughs> Like, there's a dude reading it. It's like, wait, I have a rash above my heart. What the fuck, Frank? 
I'm walking over to his house right now. <laughs> but maybe not at night because the dragon might be out there. Oh, Frank, Frank had some personal demons he has to work through. We should reach out to him. He did. So last question. Which, which of these has not been a theme explored in a Frank Peretti book? Bigfoot, haunted houses, time travel, or nationalism? Nationalism. Correct. Yes, it should be, though. It should be addressed. I was kind of going through the books to see which one's which. Yeah, he. I don't think he touched that with a 10-foot pole, dude. He touched nothing real, ultimately. No. You're fighting yoga. You're fighting haunted houses. You're fighting abortion and and sex. Yeah. You're talking about all these territorial demons yeah. coming through the dumbest things. But if there was going to be a territorial spirit, you know, the thing would be racism. Yeah patriarchy gentrification right colonization in general like maybe women's issues all these things not on his radar at all and did like, you ever play street fighter yeah you know the character dalsim the guy who like stretches his arms out he's a yoga practitioner so when i think that frank peretti's fighting yoga that i play video games a lot that's where my mind goes to he's like frank peretti fighting dalsim with while like, frank peretti's <laughs> weapon of choice is a book and uh, Dalsim just going, yoga fire, and the setting Frank Peretti ablaze, and I, I'm very happy at this game. Fighting yoga, that's the, that's the fucking best. Good on you, Frank. And you made a million dollars about fighting some fucking practice or just help people's backs get better and be more flexible. And then and if they want to, get in touch with themselves. My wife does hot yoga all the time. Kudos to her. I can't do that shit. Your wife um, is demon-possessed because that's, that's how they come in. Well, she's right. also Lebanese, and she's from North Africa. Her family's from North Africa, so I'm sure the, the Christians have a lot to say about that. She, she eats food that's well-seasoned. Um, it's, the, it's hard to pronounce in English. Um, and she's also Canadian and can speak multiple languages. So she has, according to the church, she has multiple demons. So just, just all these issues. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about it. I'm like, you know, for all, all the emphasis on, on spiritual warfare, on, yeah. on demons, like it really does... Just remove responsibility. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and just like keep people fascinated. You know, I don't know how many times I heard like, oh, like the spiritual realm is, is more real than the physical realm. Like, and, and everything that's happening here is just like a shadow of what's happening there. That's, that's where everything's happening. And we're just being influenced one way or the other. So even, even if you believe that, then how are you caught up on these mm. stupid little things? Yeah, that's a good point. Why would you not believe, oh yeah, there is a nationalism demon. Mm. There is a racism demon. And I could be influenced by that. It's just so weird how weirdly specific it all is. And the things that you'd be worried about, like music and yeah. other religion and the books your kids might be reading or the videos they might be watching. All these things are so influential, but for like dumb stuff. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like. So the company I work at, uh, Adrian and I work at, and a handful, handful of our friends work at, um, I don't give them enough credit in, in helping my deconstruction. Um, the first thing they told me, like the first day of orientation, like, hey, we hired you because you're you and no one can do the job you're about to do. Um, I don't know if it rhymed when they told me, but it did rhyme right now. And so that really, I was still in the church. I'm like, wait, you want me? Like the person me? And they don't know I'm a Christian. They don't know I can play music. They want me because I'm me. And then I was surrounded by a super diverse workforce, just everyone from everywhere. And I, I, I was talking to one of my coworkers and she was into hermeticism, I think it was. And she was talking about, um, I asked her, I asked a question to her cause I knew she was like pseudo spiritual. And um, I, I found this really cool symbol and oh, now I know it's a tarot card, but it was the magician tarot card. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's in uh, like what he represents is like as above, so below. And that's like a, definitely a tattoo. I eventually want to get in some form because I don't know if I believe in spiritual warfare, but I do know that. I have seen it work where if I do good to others, somehow good will return. It doesn't make my life easier, mm -hmm. but I, but, uh, but I do believe there is some effect to like put out what you want, what you want to get in return. But that to me, like directly turns my attention to my neighbors, turns my attention to you. If Janice needs everything, I'll fly to New York, please. I just need a reason to get out of South Florida. Like it, th that, I, that sets well with me because it causes me to care about things that are happening right now. It doesn't remove my responsibility to go, well, that's spiritual warfare going on. And what we're going to need to do, we need to meet every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday. We need to pray about it. And then we need to go through this next curriculum written by another white dude on how to fix this. You're dead on. It removes all responsibility. 
and places it on this spiritual realm. The, the, the amount of Matrix references that the church made when the Matrix came out was so stupid. Like, I instantly thought about that scene where he's like eating the steak in like the matrix like oh this yeah. i know this is fake but yeah. i'm like yeah and the church just ate that shit up like oh this is exactly I'm like no this is a movie written by two uh now sisters yeah. who yeah. just wrote a movie about weird psychology stuff right and like, definitely practice yoga oh for sure you think neil is that flexible by himself that dude's doing yoga all the time keanu reeves is a proponent of yoga i know i i don't call him keanu i call him k him and i talk all the time um you can thank me for john wick and and the entire series i got him into that one it's just stupid shit like that it's like yeah we're gonna do a whole series on the matrix I'm like okay uh not gonna talk about the entire war that george bush started to look for weapons of mass destruction oh. that don't exist and this is like 20 years ago and now the war is finally over and that's a whole bunch of other things no right. we're gonna talk about the matrix I'm like this doesn't fucking matter i've already seen the matrix the middle east is they're killing each other but we need to talk about neo and how right. you could be the one as well I'm like well fuck off dude this is so <laughs> dumb but right. yeah i, I can like, rant on that shit forever the, like the math doesn't even work so i'm like if we're going with no. the or, origin story of demons like okay they're fallen angels mm -hmm. cool it was a third a third of the angels fail Mm -hmm. Why? Why is the spiritual warfare even so intense? If God is all powerful and mm -hmm. good is stronger than evil, why would these battles be going on like this? Like, yeah. don't the angels outnumber the demons anyway? Couldn't God just make more? Like, what? Do you know math why? Doesn't math? Because okay, Janice, I don't know how to break it to you. Uh, in the spiritual realm, they don't use the math like we do. Okay, <laughs> they don't know. They don't have integers and. They don't use like expression. They don't use PEMDAS uh, parentheses expression multiplication division addition subtraction. Uh, they don't do that stuff. It's it's you wouldn't understand. Um, I think the reason the demons are constantly fighting is because they look cooler and they're scarier. <laughs> so the angel's like, "Oh, I'm here to fight," and the demons just speaks in some guttural language. And the angel's like, "Okay, I'm leaving." Um, <laughs> like my guardian angel sucked when I was a kid. That dude didn't protect me from shit. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point. Why is there a battle if a third if a third of anything leaves and two thirds are left over? <laughs> Then the two thirds wins. They the two thirds win. has the two thirds has white god. Why they, isn't white god winning? You would think, yeah. He has you would like, think. What, thunderbolts and stuff, and he can condemn you to like hell forever, unless Jesus steps in as your as the uh, he, he takes the stand in your stead. He gives his testimony, so God looks at Jesus, oh, not God. looks at you. God forgets forgets all about you. It's like, oh, yeah. I only see my son. So what do I hear for? Who's talking? <laughs> I cannot hear who that person is. What the fuck do I exist? I just wrote like the seventh worship song for you, God. Who's talking again? I can only see my son, Jesus. This is so dumb. So then the thing I've been thinking about lately, if we throw spiritual warfare out, mm -hmm. do I even, do we have spirits? Are we spiritual beings? Mm. Like... Because, you know, we try to, oh, God is a trinity, so we're triune beings. So we're body, soul, and spirit. And yeah. I'm like, well, isn't, is it just the soul? Mm. Like, because the whole yeah. Christianity is all about your spirit was dead and now it's alive. Oh, yeah. Alive in Christ. Bleh. Right. And I'm like, well, do, do we have spirits? Are we spiritual beings? Is that a thing? Well, I told you that I'm into this weird shit. Uh, there have been some scientific studies done or attempted to have scientific studies because I don't think anyone wants to sign up for this is that like on the verge of death they would put someone in a box and weigh them and then once they die see if any change happens in the weight to see if anything leaves the body i fortunately had a a long time with my grandparents on my mom's side i was able to spend a lot of time with them my grandma was super formative and just my musical abilities and like a carefree attitude towards everything she was very she was hilarious she was very very funny very rude and uh, she passed away when I was like maybe 10. So I had a good time with her. And then my grandpa passed away a couple years back. So I, I, I had a, a good amount of time with them. And now I can't remember why I started down that path. What was I saying? I got caught up in my grandparents. Um, spirits, souls, bodies. Oh, spirits and souls, yeah. So I, my grandma was in a convalescent home in Hialeah. And that was very depressing, very depressing. So seeing her there and then seeing my grandpa on like in the hospital bed, like in the last days, there was something missing. You could see it in their eyes or, or in their action or lack of action. So I do believe there's some, there's some cognition mm -hmm. like that starts to break down just with age, with the mileage we put in our bodies. But also like when you're nearing that time, there's some difference. You can feel it like you, the body is the same. 
but there's something off. And maybe that's just our ancestors' way of saying, oh, that's a soul, which evolved from like some other language, or that's a spirit. There was a TikTok I watched where they were talking about, uh, they were talking about, they work at a, it's end of care. I don't know what the, what the actual term is, but it's end of life care. Yeah. Um, and all the nurses on the floor attest to this is that at the end of someone's life, when, when they're surrounded by their family, there's this weird thing that they call like the last hurrah. When there's like a day when the person who is in the hospital bed is like alive, the most alive they've been since they came in. They're up, they have, they're able to eat, they're able to converse. Like they, it's, it happens more often than not. And the nurses know they can pretty much like jot it down on paper to the time and date. Like this person's going to die the next day. Wow. Like there's this, there's this thing that the body does that they've seen that there's no scientific proof. This is just subjective. Um, but so there's all these things that point to, there is something that makes this machine, this engine called our body run. Right. You can call it soul. You can call it spirit. You can call it whatever it makes, makes you feel good to call it. But there is a difference between an alive body and a body that is no longer alive. And it's weird. It's weird meeting someone who's definitely alive and breathing but not seeing that light in their eyes that they're like they have a soul mm-hmm. and I've, I've met unfortunately most of the people i've met have been in a church context when i can tell they do not give a shit about what i'm saying right they they do not care about anything that's happening and they're just there for their thing and, and then to move on to the next um, majority of those were pastors and nine times out of ten, those pastors had secret uh, money. They were, they were hidden away or they left the church because God was calling them somewhere else. And that somewhere else was just a massive platform at a much bigger church, always the same. Right. But yeah, there is some difference. Uh, you can call it whatever we want. But if you watch the Disney Pixar movie Soul, they call it Soul and then you'll definitely cry. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation to have with people who aren't from church backgrounds either. To kind of see what their comments on it are on it, but um, that's a really good question. I haven't yeah. given it much thought. I mean, because I definitely there's def- there's something there. Yeah, I think Christianity has done the thing it does, oh. where it, like separates things that don't need to be separated, spirit, soul, whatever it is. Like I think it's just one and the same. Mm, yeah, yeah. And everybody has it, and it's not about what Jesus has done to it. Like, like you, uh, you can take mind, body, spirit, and soul, and like that's just Janice. Right. Like that's you. And I think that's a better way to look at it is like you as, as a, us as a whole being like, yeah. like yes, we have like organs that do different things, but, uh, but yeah, that's just us. That's just our essence. That's just your you-ness. And to parcel it out like that is just what the church does. That's what it does. Like just does dividing so well. all these things. Yes. And, and ultimately like making people, worse for wear yeah dividing it so they can pick apart at it and you can compartmentalize that and then allow them to continue to speak into your life without without you like giving them permission to yeah no um, because if i divide you and i say no yeah. your soul your soul is bad and your soul wants to do bad stuff yeah. and your soul wants to think its own thoughts but i'm talking to your spirit and your yeah. spirit wants to do what i'm saying and and god is with your spirit god is with me so put put your body and put your put your feelings <sighs> and your mind yeah. away yeah right? And then, and, but, but put it away until you need to talk about it. And then I'll charge you for some Christian counseling. <laughs> That's how that works. That's how the grift works. I've been in, oh my God, dude, I've been in too many Christian counseling sessions. We're like, why the fuck am I here? <laughs> this is so dumb. I could have done better. I could have, I could have solved this problem by like a Big Mac and a large fry. You're doing me no <laughs> favors right now. <laughs> and that is that for now. When we recorded this episode, I hadn't officially become part of the Irreverent Network yet, but those talks were happening, and that was in large part, probably exclusively, because of the support of Josh and Adrian. And a thing that happens all the time when I'm recording episodes is that I'll think, oh, this was too fun. It was too easy. I find myself falling into old thinking that if I'm not suffering, I'm probably not getting the full experience. But things do not have to be painful to have meaning, and talking with Josh was such pure delight. This is a two-parter because we just didn't stop, and in the and we were still just getting started. But the good news for you is that you do not have to rely on me to get your Josh Link fix. So it's Josh Link either way on Twitter and Instagram, but there's an underscore in front of one of them and there's an underscore at the back of one of them. 
I mean, if you really want to find me that bad, you can figure out which one's which. If you want to find out anything about Dirty Rotten Church Kids, we're everywhere. But if you just go to dirtyrottenchurchkids.com, you'll find the link to our Patreon, our merch that our buddy uh, Kurt in South Africa does for us. And it's amazing. Our Instagram, our Twitter, our TikTok, our email, everything. It's too much. But all the links can be found there, yeah. I can't believe it, but it is the end of October. Happy Halloween, y'all. I am not a big spooky season person. Horror movies, not my thing, like, at all. But God bless. Y'all have fun. I have been engaging in my own kind of terror, having finished reading The Bait of Satan and recording most of those episodes. So get ready for the Bad Book Club. Those episodes will be dropping in the second week of November. Exact day, still TBD. And that will be a Patreon thing. So it is going to cost you $5 a month. And you know what? I'm going to lean very lightly into the spirit of John Bevere and not apologize about that. And believe me, that is a light lean. If I went full Bevere, you'd be terrified not to subscribe. Just join the Patreon and you'll understand. Anyway, I am Janice Legata. This has been another episode of God Has Not Given. Thank you for joining me. If this has meant anything to you, sparked anything for you, or was just a general good time, please let the people know. Rate and review this podcast on Apple. Ask about me and God Has Not Given on the gram. Hit the show notes for all the links, including Josh Link's links. Take care of you. Be well. And I will talk to you soon. I am an I am an I am an E-X-P-A-N-G-E-L-I-C-E.